I didn't give you a handout um, intentionally because um, <clears throat> it is it is a short message, but it's one that I, I've been I've been inspired by some some hymns recently, and um, Matt mentioned this a while back at one of our committee meetings, been a year or so ago, and preacher, maybe you ought to preach on some of the hymns. And um, I started thinking about it, especially this week during the storm, and how amazing God's grace was once again. And as you see, that's going to be our closing hymn today. And um, maybe God just wanted us to spend a little more quiet time with him today. Well, I've just entitled a message, Thank God for Grace. Thank God for Grace. You have plenty of room on, your, on the back of the bulletin there. And um, it, it, is, it is a fairly short message, so um, however God speaks to us today. Uh, and I know he will, uh, if we will allow him to do that. Well, I, I read this week where someone said that a person should get what he or she deserves. And, and you know how we, we like to think, you know, like we think out loud sometimes before we really think and shouldn't express ourselves. But immediately, I agree with that person. Yes. We ought to get what we deserve. And then I began to think about that. Do we really want what we deserve? And when we look at that from God's point of view, do we really want what God could give to us? And the answer is absolutely not. Church, we are so incredibly blessed with the love of God. <clears throat> God chose to show His mercy, his grace to those of us who have said yes to him, to those of us who love him, who place our faith and trust in him. And I was reminded more this week than ever before, without God's great mercy and grace, mankind is lost in, the, in a sea of sin. You think about it. Well, let me read uh, one verse out of 2 Corinthians. So if you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And then we want to turn over a few chapters to verse 12, uh, chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 reads this way. And God is able to make all grace, there it is, all grace abound toward you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. <clears throat> now flip over to chapter 12, verse 7.
And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. This is Paul. God gave him that thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pledged with the Lord, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And folks, you need to get this verse right here, verse 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in, if in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. The word of the Lord. Lord, we do thank you for your word today. Now speak to our hearts, show us, remind us, reveal to us your marvelous, amazing grace. I pray in your name, amen. I don't know about you, but all, all of my days in which I began to, to uh, become more and more in love with, with God and the, and the Bible, I've always been or, or have always read this definition of the word grace, and you probably have too. It's called unmerited favor, unmerited favor, something that, that you and I do not deserve. I began to look at that, and yes, that's an accurate uh, definition and, and description of grace, but I wanted to do a little bit more research on that word grace and see what some other theologians and, and evangelists and definitions that they came up with. And, and I wrote some of those down for us today. John Stott said, Grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues. Jerry Bridges, Grace is God reaching downward to people who are in rebellion against him. An author unknown, Grace is God giving the greatest treasure to the least deserving, which is every one of us. John Gresham Mackin, the very center and core of the whole Bible is the, doctrine, is, is the doctrine of the grace of God. And one last one, grace is the love of God shown to the unlovely and the peace of God given to the restless. <clears throat> Go with me for just a moment, if you will, to the seashore. You've been there? You've been on vacation to the beach, and you've walked to the ocean. So go with me. Picture that in your mind. You're, you're down at the edge of the ocean, and the water is coming in a little bit on your feet. Some of you are saying, boy, I wish I were there now. That would be fun. And, and as you look, look, look across there with me, if you will, okay? Look as far as you can see in front of you. And then look to your left, down the coast, as far as you can see. And then turn to the right and, and look as far as you can see. And it seems endless, does it not? As I began to picture that, as we saw it over and over on TV this week, if you watch the news on the storm, that's what you saw. You saw pictures of the ocean but I began to think that isn't that an amazing picture of God's amazing grace to those of us who love him? Grace 
is boundless. Think about it. It has no limits. It is unsearchable. It is incomprehensible. But get this, yet always present. Remember those definitions? Always present. His care, his rescue is always present. Just like none of us, none of you, you nor myself, could ever refill the waves of the Atlantic Ocean, could we? The same holds true for God's grace. We can never earn or pay back grace. Here's what we need to do, though. We must simply receive it and do our very best not to ever take it for granted. Look with me at Genesis. Flip back to Genesis chapter 6, if you will. Share this little story with us that we're very familiar with. And here we find the first mention of grace here in chapter 6. Of course, we find grace in many other places, but here's, here's the first place where we see it. When we talk about a man named Noah, remember him? Verse 6, verse 1, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful. And they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. That's how long God gave those people to, to get right with him. And look how many didn't get right with him. How many, how many survived the flood? Noah, his wife, and his three sons and their wives. That's eight people. Verse 4. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that, get this, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Two times he said that. But thank goodness for verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found grace. Other translation says he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Well, I went back and did a little word study on that word grace in that verse. And here, here's what it means. Boy, so, so a, a vivid picture here. Let me, let me paint it for you. It means to bend or to stoop in kindness. And here's the beauty of that, church. <clears throat> God, being infinitely greater than us, is getting down on our level. Have you, have you gotten down on a child's level before? That's what God, God who is infinitely larger than us, gets down on our level, on his knees, so to speak. Maybe both knees. He stoops down because why? Because he loves us so very much. 
And if you go back and read the rest of chapter 6 of Genesis and 7, we won't do that. But if you go back and, and, and read that, you'll see what happens, how God spared this family, Noah's family. And aren't you glad he did? I love Billy Graham. Read, I've read a lot of his things over the years, books. He says this, God's grace sustains us every minute of the day, and without his grace, we could not even exist. He goes on to say, we think we have control of our lives, but if it were not for God's grace, we would not even be alive. He goes on, we have ignored God and turned our backs on him and refused to live the way he wants us to. And yet in spite, get this, in spite of our sin and rebellion, God loves us and sustains us by his, here it is, grace. Maybe we've messed up a time or two in the last day or two. Or maybe 20 or 30 times in the last week or so. What do you think? And what does the old enemy do? What, what does the old devil do? The old devil's coming out his heart. He's saying, you know what? You're not good enough to be forgiven. You know what? That old thing that you did or that old thought that you had, you, 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 there's no way God's going to forgive you for that. That's what the devil does. But thank goodness, here comes along 1 John 1, 9 that says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And 2 Corinthians 12, 9, remember what I read earlier? My grace is sufficient. That's all we need. God's grace. Now, let's think about it a moment. God shows his grace and kindness to you and to me every minute of every day. Every minute of every day. Even when we aren't aware of it, even when we don't believe it, he gives us life. He, pro he provides our every need. He blesses us in so many ways, even when we turn our back on him. Do we deserve his blessing, church? Do we? No. But what does God do? Continues to rain down on us, blessing after blessing after blessing, when we don't deserve it. Why? Because of his mercy, because of his grace. Can I ask us this? How often, how often do we pause to thank him? I want us to think about that for a few for a few seconds here. How often do we pause to thank him? Let, let me share with you what focusing on God's grace can do. This is what it can do for us. It can change our perspective, how we see things how we view things. Let me give you an example. Do we like joy in our life? Do we like joy in our life? I think we all do. So why don't we try waking up in the morning and, and rather than complaining about what we don't have, let's start with God's grace. First thing in the morning, all of us here, we're going to commit to that before God today. We're going to start with God's grace and start with what he has already done for us that we don't deserve in the first place. And a song came to my mind this week, and I jotted it down. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you 
what the Lord has done. We cannot forget ever, ever that God demonstrated his grace to us in the greatest possible way by doing what? By sending his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, to take away our sins. You see, because if we get right down to it, we've all sinned against God, correct? And because we've sinned against God, guess what we deserve? We deserve judgment. We deserve condemnation. But the creator of the universe, the creator's great love for his creation, you and me, God provided the way. God provided the way for us to be saved. And it is through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Two other verses and a story and we're done. John 3, 16, 17. I want to encourage you. Don't ever read John 3, 16 without reading John 3, 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Get this. But God did, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Ephesians 2 Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Get this, by grace you have been saved. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. A rebellious seaman from England, John Newton, <clears throat> found himself escaping death again and again. Once he was thrown from a horse and almost impaled by sharp stakes. Another time he arrived too late to board a vessel that later overturned, killing all its passengers. But it wasn't until March 21, 1748, when Newton realized his lucky streak was actually God's protection. Newton was aboard a slave sh uh, ship when the vessel hit a violent storm off the coast of Ireland. Seeing no end in sight, Newton cried out, get this, Lord, have mercy upon us. The ship made it through the storm and after some repair to its final destination, Newton called the experience his great deliverance. He stepped ashore a new believer in Christ, but making a full lifestyle change proved to be a process. Newton took on slave trading as a profession, and it wasn't until 1754 that he abandoned the slave trade and seafaring to wholeheartedly devote his life to God. No wonder God allowed him to write the age-old hymn, Amazing Grace. Newton saw his life as evidence that no sin is too great for God's amazing grace. So here's the question before us today. Have we, have we accepted God's amazing grace? The offer is there. God's given it freely. Have we embraced it? Have we accepted God's amazing grace Romans 10, 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for this message. Thank you for Noah and how you spared he and his, he and his family. Thank you, Lord, for, for the grace and the mercy that you had on them. Thank you, Lord, for the grace and the mercy that you have on us. God, may we never take that for granted. And my prayer today is if there's anyone here today that has not embraced your grace, I pray, Lord, that they'll do it this day. Before this day is over, before they leave this building, may that transformation take place in someone's heart today. I pray in your name. Amen. Number 275. Let's stand as we sing. Amazing Grace. <clears throat>